0: Chapter thirteen of Scarhaven Keep. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Scarhaven Keep by Joseph Smith Fletcher. Chapter thirteen. Mr. Denny. Amongst the little group of actors and actresses who had come over from Norcaster to hear all that was to be told concerning their late manager, sat an old gentleman who, hands folded on the head of his walking-cane, and chin settled on his hands, watched the proceedings with silent and concentrated attention. He was a striking figure of an old gentleman, tall, distinguished-looking, handsome, with a face full of character, the strong lines and features of which were further accentuated by his silvery hair. He was a smart old gentleman, too, well and scrupulously attired and groomed, and his blue bird's-eye necktie, worn at a rakish angle, gave him the air of something of a sporting man rather than of a follower of Thespis. His fellow members of the Oliver Company seemed to pay him great attention, and at various points of the proceedings whispered questions to him as to an acknowledged authority. This old gentleman, when the inquest came to its extraordinary end, and the crowd went out murmuring and disputing, separated himself from his companions, and made his way towards Mrs. Grayle and her daughter, who were quietly setting out homewards. To Audrey's surprise, the two elders shook hands in silence, and inspected each other with a palpable wistfulness of look. "'And yet it's twenty-five years since we met, isn't it?' said the old gentleman, almost as if he were talking to himself. "'But I knew you at once. I was wondering if you remembered me.' "'Why, of course,' responded Mrs. Greyle. "'Besides, I've had an advantage over you. I've seen you, you know, several times, at Norcaster.' We go to the theatre now and then. Audrey, this is Mr. Denny. You've seen him, too. On the stage, on the stage, murmured the old actor, as he shook hands with the girl. Um, I wonder if any of us are ever really off it. This affair, for instance, there's a drama for you. By the by, this young squire, he's your relation, of course. My nephew-in-law and Audrey's cousin, replied Mrs. Greyle. Mr. Denny, who had walked along with them towards their cottage, stopped in a quiet stretch of the quay and looked meditatively at Audrey. "'Then this young lady,' he said, "'is next heir to the Grail Estates, eh? "'For I understand this present squire isn't married. "'Therefore—' "'Oh, that's something that isn't worth thinking about,' replied Mrs. Grail hastily. "'Don't put such notions into the girl's head, Mr. Denny. "'Besides, the Grail Estates are not entailed, you know.' The present owner can do what he pleases with them. Besides that, he's sure to marry. All the same, observed Mr. Denny imperturbably, if this young man had not been in existence, this child would have succeeded, eh? Why, of course, agreed Mrs. Greyle a little impatiently. But what's the use of talking about that, my old friend? The young man is in possession, and there you are. Do you like the young man? asked Mr. Denny. "'I take an old fellow's privilege in asking direct questions, you know, and though we haven't seen each other for all these years, you can say anything to me.' "'No, we don't,' replied Mrs. Greyle. "'And we don't know why we don't. So there's a woman's answer for you. Kinsfolk, though we are, we see little of each other.' Mr. Denny made no remark on this. He walked along at Audrey's side, apparently in deep thought, and suddenly he looked across at her mother. What do you think about this extraordinary tale of bassett Oliver's having met a Marston Grail over there in America? He asked abruptly, What do people here think about it? We're not in a position to hear much of what other people think. answered Mrs. Greyle. What I think is that if this Marston Grayle ever did meet such a very notable and noticeable man as bassett Oliver, it's a very, very strange thing that he's forgotten all about it. Mr. Denny laughed quietly. <laughs> "'Aye, aye,' he said, "'but don't you think we folk of the profession are a little bit apt to magnify our own importance? You say, bless me, how could anybody ever forget an introduction to Bassett Oliver? But we must remember that to some people even a famous actor is of no more importance than, shall we say, a respectable grocer. Marston Greyle may be one of those people. It's quite possible he may have been introduced, quite casually, to Oliver at some club or gathering.' something or other, over there, and have quite forgotten all about it. Quite possible, I think. "'I agree with you as to the possibility, but certainly not as to the probability,' said Mrs. Greyle dryly. "'Bassett Oliver was the sort of man whom nobody would forget. But here we are at our cottage. You'll come in, Mr. Denny.' "'It will only have to be for a little time, my dear lady,' said the old actor, pulling out his watch. "'Our people are going back very soon, and I must join them at the station.' "'I'll give you a glass of good old wine,' said Mrs. Greyle as they went into the cottage. "'I have some that belong to my father-in-law, the old squire. You must taste it, for old time's sake.' Mr. Denny followed Audrey into the little parlour as Mrs. Greyle disappeared to another part of the house, and the instant they were alone he tapped the girl's arm and gave her a curiously warning look. "'Hush, my dear,' he whispered. "'Not a word. Don't want your mother to know. Listen.' Have you a specimen? Letter? Anything of your cousin, the squire's handwriting? Anything so long as it's his. You have? Give it to me. Say nothing to your mother. Wait until tomorrow morning. I'll run over to see you again, about noon. It's important. But silence. Audrey, scarcely understanding the old man's meaning, opened a desk and drew out one or two letters. She selected one and handed it to Mr Denny, who made haste to put it away before Mrs. Greyle returned he gave Audrey another warning look. "'That was what I wanted,' he said mysteriously. "'I thought of it during the inquest. "'Never mind why, just now. "'You'll know to-morrow.' He lingered a few minutes, chatting to his hostess about old times as he sipped the old squire's famous port. Then he went off to the little station, joined Stafford and his fellow actors and actresses, and returned with them to Norcaster. And at Norcaster, Mr. Denny separated himself from the rest, and repaired to his quiet lodgings rooms which he had occupied for many years in succession whenever they went that way on tour and once safely bestowed in them he pulled out a certain old-fashioned trunk which he had owned since boyhood and lugged about wherever he went in two continents and from it after much methodical unpacking he disinterred a brown paper parcel neatly tied up with green ribbon from this parcel he drew a thin packet of typed matter and a couple of letters The typescript he laid aside, the letters he opened out on his table. Then he took from his pocket the letter which Audrey Greyle had given him, and put it side by side with those taken from the parcel. And after one brief glance at all three, Mr. Denny made typescript and letters up again into a neat packet, restored them to his trunk, locked them up, and turned to the two hours rest which he always took before going to the theatre for his evening's work. He was back at Scarhaven by eleven o'clock the next morning, with his neat packet under his arm, and he held it up significantly to Audrey, who opened the door of the cottage to him. "'Something to show you,' he said, with a quiet smile as he walked in. "'To show you and your mother.' He stopped short on the threshold of the little parlour, where Copplestone was just then talking to Mrs. Greyle. "'Oh,' he said, a little disappointedly, "'I hope to find you alone.' i'll wait mrs greyle explained who copplestone was and mr denny immediately brightened oh, of course of course he explained i know glad to meet you mr Cobblestone. you don't know me but i know you or your work well enough it was i who read and recommended your play to our poor dear friend it's a little secret you know continued mr denny laying his packet on the table but i have acted for a great many years as bassett oliver's literary adviser taster, you might say. You know, he had a great number of plays sent to him, of course, and he was a very busy man, and he used to hand them over to me in the first place to take a look at, a taste of, you know, and if I liked the taste, why, then he took a mouthful himself, eh? And that brings me to the very point, my dear ladies, and my dear young gentlemen, that I have come specially to Scarhaven this morning to discuss. It's a very, very serious matter, indeed, he went on, as he untied his packet of papers and i fear that it's only the beginning of something more serious come round me here at this table all of you if you please the other three drew up chairs each wondering what was coming and the old actor resumed his eye-glasses and gave obvious signs of making a speech now i want you all to attend to me very closely he said i shall have to go into a detailed explanation and you will very soon see what i am after as you may be aware i have been a personal friend of bassett oliver for some years and a member of his company without break for the last eight years i accompanied bassett oliver on his two trips to the united states therefore i was with him when he was last there years ago now while we were at chicago that time bassett came to me one day with the typescript of a one-act play and told me that it had been sent to him by a correspondent signing himself marston greyle who in a covering letter said that he sprang from an old english family and that the play dealt with a historic romantic episode in its history the principal part he believed was one which would suit bassett therefore he begged him to consider the matter bassett asked me to read the play and i took it away with the writer's letter for that purpose but we were just then very busy and i had no opportunity of reading anything for a time later on we went to st louis and there, of course, Bassett, as usual, was much feted and went out a great deal, lunching with people and so on. One day he came to me. By the by, Denny, he said, I met that Mr. Marston Greyle to-day, who sent me that romantic one-act thing. He wanted to know if I'd read it, and I had to confess that it was in your hands. Have you looked at it? I, too, had to confess. I hadn't. Well, said he, read it and let me know what you think. Will it suit me? I made time to read the little play during the following week, and I told Bassett that I didn't think it would suit him, but I felt sure it might suit Montague Gaines, who plays just such parts. Bassett thereupon wrote to the author and said what I, his reader, thought, and kindly offered, as he knew Gaines intimately, to show the little work to him on his return to England. And this Mr. Marston Greyle, wrote back, thanking Bassett warmly and accepting his kind offer accordingly i brought the play with me to england montague gaines however had just set off on a two years tour to australia consequently the play and the author's two letters have remained in my possession ever since and here they are mr denny laid his hand dramatically on his packet looked significantly at his audience and went on now when i heard all that i did here at that inquest yesterday he said i naturally remembered that i had in my possession two letters which were undoubtedly written to bassett oliver by a young man named marston greyle whom oliver just as undoubtedly had personally met in st louis and so when the inquest was over mr copplestone i recalled myself to mrs greyle here whom i had known many years ago and i walked back to this house with her and her charming daughter and-don't be angry mrs greyle while the mother's back was turned on hospitable thoughts intent, I got the daughter to lend me, secretly, a letter written by the present Squire of Scarhaven. Armed with that, I went home to my lodgings in Norcaster, found the letter written by the American Marston Grail, and compared it with them, and here is the result. The old actor selected the two American letters from his papers, laid them out on the table, and placed the letter which Audrey had given him beside them now he said as his three companions bent eagerly over these exhibits look at those three letters all bear the same signature marston greyle but the handwriting of those two is as different from that of this one as chalk is from cheese End of chapter Thirteen.